is going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous tuesday july 25th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood hey we're just releasing out also tom uh, Kirkman, he's the guy with three over three million views on his LinkedIn channel. He's a nut. Absolutely yeah, no. love me some Tom Kirkman. We love Tom Kirkman. You can check out Stu's long form um, podcast on the same channel as you're hearing this. So we appreciate everybody checking us out. Um, but we have a packed lineup for you. We'll keep it fairly light, but but I think we're going to dive into these stories probably more than usual. First up, ship owners splash out. $47 billion for LNG carrier new builds in 18 months. You know, Stu and I like to say, what's a couple billion bef- between friends to recover what's going on um, in the carrier business next up? Canada fulfills climate pledge to end fossil fuel subsidies. We'll, we'll talk about what the, the Trudeau administration is doing up there. And then finally, world's biggest wind power projects are in crisis just when the worlds and the birds need them the most. Um, I added the birds and the whales in there. Um, myself, but uh, um, Stu, there's a, a really huge project going on right now that's uh, uh, under duress. Stu will cover that. He'll kick it over to me. I'll we'll have some fun talking about oil prices, guys. I mean, they, we're seventy eight eighty six right now. Um, time stands here about five forty as we record this on Monday night. So you know, overnight action. We'll see what happens. But I think the sentiment is 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 extremely bullish. We'll cover some key technical indicators. Um, and then what happened with Chevron? They post um big quarterly earnings, um, beating expectations, and we'll kind of dive into another announcement that they made. And then we'll let you guys get on out of here. Um, before we do all that, guys, remember. All the stories we're about to cover are courtesy that world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. Stu does a great job of curating their website to make sure it stays up to speed. Dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy and data combo. Um, you can hit us up, um, questions at energynewsbeat.com or use the form in the description below. Where do you want to begin, Stu? Hey, let's travel around the world here. Let me find my screen. Uh, One out of 10 screens here. Okay. Ship owners splash out $47 billion for LNG carrier new builds in 18 months. Michael, this is a big story, especially when we consider what's going to go on in the other stories. So I got kidneys up here for our podcast listeners. I'm pointing to my head and saying I got kidneys. So, okay. Uh, Spending, listen to this. Spending on new LNG carriers since the beginning of 2022 represents 27% of new shipbuilding investment and more than any other, including container ship. That's pretty amazing. In 18 months, 47 billion. Yeah, considering that that what normally was happening was, you know, in the, you know, it was much, much lower than that. I think the idea that LNG is going to be plentiful and is going to be seen as a bridge fuel between yep. crude oil and whatever this 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 holy grail of renewable energy is. It's definitely going to be a bridge fuel. We've covered last week and we've covered on this show at nauseum right. the long term LNG contracts signed by both uh, China 
with Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Qatar have come out and signed large deals around the world. Something right. that you've been covering. So India. this investment comes at the right time because they're needed in order to achieve these products. Oh, and, and this is huge to the U.S. because we can't ship out our great products because yep. we don't have any tankers. So, yep. you know, they note that, you know, this rising LNG demand in Asia, you know, and the role of relatively clean hydrocarbon in the energy transition are both underlying growth drivers. You nailed it. And Asia has picked up where uh, the rest of the world isn't. And they're rolling out LNG far superior than Canada or uh, the U.S. So yep. I got to hand it to them. Let me throw this at you. Here's some other numbers. Despite dramatically higher new ship prices, up 211 million for a standard 174,000 cubic meter vessel starting at 2022 to 261 uh, million dollars today. LNG uh, owners are still pinning down the few remaining slots that are available between now and late 2027. Think about that. That's just as bad as in your day job drilling wells and going from a $7 million well to a, uh, looking about the ballpark there, probably about a $14 million well. Right. Now you're talking that's a du- that's a double. This is not a 50% increase. This is somewhere around a 20% increase. You're talking but going they're, from they're somewhere around there. 7 to 10 million dollars. I'm with you. It's going to keep going up. What I want to know is how do we get our hands out on one of these 331 vessels? I vote Energy Newsbeat crowdsources our own LNG tanker. I think we should. And we owe it to ourselves to become uh skipper, you know, the three uh what is it? Uh, they went out for a 3-hour cruise. You and I could do podcasts from that. Exactly. We'll captain the ship. You just fill it up. We'll drive. You'll get us for six hours. So yeah, we'll, but seriously, maybe we'll give them some energy news beat tokens. You think they take energy news beat tokens instead of dollars? (laughs) (laughs) Tokens instead. Um, All right. What's next? Let's talk. Let's talk Canada. Oh, oh, gotta love me some Canadian stuff. You can't buy this kind of entertainment. Canada fulfills climate pledge to end fossil fuel subsidies. Michael, what's wrong with saying the words fossil fuel subsidies? I don't know if they directly exist, right? (laughs) They don't. Now, when you talk about subsidies, uh, it is uh, something that does not exist in the U.S. for subsidies. Government of Canada is committed to investing in a strong, sustainable economic future that will deliver goods to good middle class jobs, clean air and energy security for generations to come. That's why they've canceled all the LNG projects. (laughs) Anyway, just sorry, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, When you take a look at Stephen Gildeball, Minister of Environmental and Climate Change, released the Inefficient Fossil Fuel Subsidies Government of Canada Self-Review Assessment. Tell me that isn't a bunch of fun. I got to read this. I got to get me my hands on this just for some real fun. Well, the interesting part is they're going to have a how do you how do you differentiate unless you're explicit about oil and gas, which is if that's what the new if that's what they're going to do, that's fine. But the problem is there's no direct subsidy for oil and gas. There's subsidies for capital high capital expenditure products. 
manufacturing, you know, mining, right. All part of it. How are they going to interpret those rules? Are they going to apply it? Oh, are they going to scope it only to oil and gas? That's how it'd be interesting to play it. It's, 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 it's a lie to say there are no subsidies for oil and gas. There's a lie and it's a lie to say there are subsidies for oil and gas. The truth is always somewhere in the middle. There are subsidies for capital. You know, this Stu. we work with a lot of different funds and what do we offer? And what do these funds offer? Taxes. Benefits. Why? Because they're spending money on capital. It doesn't matter if they were spending money on capital to do solar, wind, pipelines, oil and gas. You would get the tax write off regardless. And that's what they're going to go for. So are they going to apply that to a lithium mine that's really being used to help wean us off foreign slave lithium? Is, are they going to exempt that? Because you would think under the e, the rules of ESG, you should probably do that. So it'll be interesting to see how they'll frame this. And yes, I want to read the report because, you know, they're going to be stretching to find some stuff. Oh, absolutely. And here's the one I, I really enjoyed, Michael. The assessment framework, the first transparently published methodology worldwide will be used to determine which tax and non-tax measures constitute inefficient fuel subsidy. Perfect. Non-tax measures. Right. So anyway, I got really tickled of that. There's some more in here. But when you sit back and think about it, if it were not for the tax tax, not credits, but tax deductions. There's a difference between tax credits, tax deductions, and subsidies. Tax, well, absolutely. De- tax deductions is a check somebody's going to write. That is not a subsidy. That is a tax yeah, deduction. And that's, and that's where the war of words comes back to. Everything lives, you know, the answer always lives in the middle of what everybody's saying. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and try to talk to an IRS agent about tax deductions. You can't, you know, they shoot you. No. Yeah. Especially the 87. Yeah. They're all, uh, what happened to the second amendment on IRS agents? Okay. Next story here. Uh, World's biggest wind power projects are in crisis when the world needs them most. This follows along with that article as you're banging your head on your desk for our podcast listeners. Michael's just having to go, I got to sit through another podcast with Stu. Oh, my gosh. I feel so sorry. Three years of having to put up with me on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. This one is also a very good litmus test. We kind of teased this up yesterday, Michael. I am tired of everybody saying wind is free. Wind is getting cheaper and solar is getting cheaper when the exact opposite is happening. Offshore wind farm project developed stumble and inflation is hitting. Governments want green energy to cost cut costs and carbon. It's not happening. And so this one, energy coming from these projects is desperately needed, says uh, Helen uh, Bistrone, the head of uh, Vatten's Falls Wind Business, said on an earnings call this week, with new market condition, it doesn't make sense to continue. Ah, why is BlackRock also investing in oil and gas? Why is Shell moving over away from renewables? Why is this young lady, Ellen, saying, hey, wait a minute, we can't continue because these are not viable projects, even with tax credits, tax subsidies, however you want to face it, because after eight years, none of them make sense. Let's go down here. 
The jettison projects are the latest signs of stress for offshore wind farms that use turbines larger than skyscrapers to harvest power from the sea air, kill whales, kill seagulls, and on land they kill eagles. Sea eagles. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is the paragraph down here, while some project could still go ahead in the future, they would need to be able to secure higher power projects or higher power prices to make investments viable. Sounds like high quality. Sounds like a couple of high quality drilling locations to me. That's oh. what that sounds like. 500 quality drilling locations. This person must be IR person of the year yep. because absolutely the consumers want Michael to quit getting it in the drive-through. The consumers are paying higher and higher electric electricity prices. So they're getting it in the drive-through, dude. As always. So let's go to my next favorite one here. Chevron posts 6 billion quarterly earnings. Boy, we're talking billions a lot today, aren't we? Beating estimates. What are your thoughts on Chevron's earnings? So I think two things. One, they come in at about $6.1 billion for second quarter earnings, beating analyst expectations. You know, I think you're going to read, oh, down 48% year over year. You realize that it does top second quarter profit um, for $5.5 billion, which was expected by analysts in a Bloomberg survey. I think the interesting note that Chevron dropped on a, on a Sunday night was that they produced 772,000 BOE um, out of the Permian during quarter three, which is, or second quarter, which is an absolute record, um, which is absolutely incredible to give you guys an idea. Um, they gave away um, dividends of about $2.8 billion and did about $4.4 billion of share repurchasing. Um, they also announced that they're doing some senior restructuring current CFOs retiring, bringing in somebody else. So uh, got to love that. I mean, Chevron continues to, to, to be a beast, Stu. It is what it is. I mean, when you're, when, when, when you're doing 700,000 barrels of oil out of the Permian, you're going to be just fine. Oh yeah. Um, just fine. Well, uh, do you think he'll ever get invited over to Jennifer Granholm's house for dinner? Probably not. Well, he should. Considering that he, the more he invests, the more he lowers prices. Oh yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Aren't most? Oh, never mind. I were I was thinking about insider trading. Maybe Nancy Pelosi knows about this one. We'll get here. We're gonna hear a Paul Pelosi right now. Hey, Nancy, if you're listening to this podcast, we'd love to interview you. Yeah, that'll be a good one. (laughs) That'll be a good one. That'll be a good one. So I'd fly up to interview her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Same here. If that ever happens, same here, Stu. (laughs) Same here. All right. Let's quickly cover oil prices here. If only because we've got great new guys. We were up 2% um, day over day, meaning we're about three month highs, mainly off some you know, projected tight supply. We also are, are seeing some stimulus in China, but again, mainly reason here is 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 oil and gas prices popping today. Seventy eight eighty five for the WTI. Um, that's current right now at about five fifty four. Brent settling at about eighty two seventy four. Um, which is absolutely unbelievable. I think that the, the key thing to note here is we've moved above our two hundred day moving average, which according to our Bob Wager. Uh, director of energy futures over at Mizuno Bank. You know, generally this stops out speculative shorts and attracts traders looking for new entering points. Um, what does that mean in layman's terms? Basically, the 200-day moving average signifies the long-term trend of what oil is doing. And now that we moved above that line, that signals to people who play more of the Warren Buffett style game 
buy and hold, see what happens. They feel like there is now an established trend of bullishness. So, you know, for everybody hoping 80s around the corner, it probably is. You know, again, I what's it going to be like at the end of the week? Probably we're going to see 80 at this point. I mean, if I had to go out on, you know, I should have, you know, we I, t- I asked you yesterday, Stu, you couldn't put a pin on it. I thought we might have a chance to see 80 this week. I'm even more confident about that now, if only because we had some great price action today. Again, you know, coming back to what's going on in China, it looks like they're going to come out and uh, I'm doing some. I mean, the only thing is, is, is Fed Drome Crab Powell could increase, you know, he's, he, he's probably going to come up and do 25 basis points this week. We, we have that on what Wednesday, right? We find out it is Wednesday. The market went kind of wishy-washy because of that. Do you, what are you going to say? Is he going to say this is the last one or do you think he's got one more? That's what the market has got one more. If only because we've had some ironically good labor data and that, I mean, not to get me on a whole side point here, but the funny fed in order to stop inflation, the, the goal of the Fed is to raise the unemployment rate. It just seems like the incentives are misaligned. And yes, free markets, and we can talk about it. And yes, you know, I, I get why. But master's green economics, people, you don't need to explain it to me. But what I'm saying is it just feels wrong that the only way we have to curb inflation is to put Stu out of a job. Now, that's easy. That's pretty easy considering what Stu's got going on. But I mean, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, but you know what I mean, Stu. It feels like it feels that the only the, the the Fed's only job here is to is to put us out of business. You know what I mean? It's it's absolutely ludicrous. And when we, we consider need, we COVID, need new tools. I, absolutely, I could. Michael, you just hit it right out of the park. A uh, little inside baseball. We were talking COVID all the time. I got tired of hearing the word unprecedented. So I'm going to go throw up and then I'm going to use that word again. We are in unprecedented, stupid times for financial issues revolving around the inability for people to fix inflation. I have said it once. I've said it twice. And before I throw up and say it's unprecedented again, it is. And we need to lower the energy price, mm-hmm. and then lower the interest rates to stimulate money. Those are the only real two things. Ah, quantitative easing. Stu loves it. Print more money. No, you don't print more money. You lower the interest rate and fix the energy problem. That's not printing money. Okay. Okay. Is that fair enough? We need to nominate you for 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 Fed chat. We'll we'll cover it another time, Stu. We'll let these we'll let these fine people get out of here. We appreciate you guys checking us out here on this gorgeous Tuesday for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner, guys. We will see you tomorrow, folks.